Welcome to North Douglas Church Online. I'm Pastor Rod Fair, and it is really a privilege to preach this seventh message in the series 50-Day Spiritual Adventure, Jesus' Journey to Easter. And today we're going to talk about the cross. We're going to talk about Jesus' sacrifice and how he gave himself up to be uh, the offering for the forgiveness of sins of mankind. And we know that we appreciate that so much and we want to be able to celebrate that. Let me remind you that all of the messages for this 50-day spiritual adventure can be found online on our social media pages as well as on our uh, webpage, northdouglaschurch.com. And uh, you can also find these messages on podcast with Spotify or Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts. If you have a prayer request, I want to remind you that you can send uh, your email to prayer at northdouglaschurch.com and I'll pass it along to the leaders and those that will lift up your request and we will call on God on your behalf. And so I encourage you to do that. We want to be able to connect and help you in any way we can. Today I want to talk to you about the cross. I want to talk to you about what it means for the forgiveness of sin. This is the core of the Christian message. When we think about the cross, we think about Jesus' sacrifice and what he gave up for us and how he sacrificed his very life for the forgiveness of our sin. Now, all the gospel writers record the event of the cross and they sometimes record a few different details, but I want to look at the book of Luke and have a, have a look in what Luke has to say about the events of the cross. So here's Luke chapter 23, starting at verse 32. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him, that is, with Jesus. When they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. And at verse 44, by this time it was about noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshiped God and said, surely this man was innocent. You know, there are lots of different details in the various accounts of the cross and what Jesus went through. And uh, I want you to know that in every single one of them, there is a detail that is included. And that is that the sign that was nailed above Jesus on the cross was a sign that said the King of the Jews. Now, the religious leaders, they wanted Pilate to change the sign. I mean, he's the one that ordered it to be put there. And uh, even though he believed Jesus to be innocent, he had uh, turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified because the religious leaders convinced him that uh, they were gonna cause uh, a big riot in the city and they were going to accuse him of all kinds of things. 
And so he relented and gave them what they wanted. Ultimately, they came to him when they saw this sign and they said, we don't want that sign. We want a sign that says he said he was king of the Jews. But Pilate said, I have written it. And, uh, and he would not change. He would not change the sign. So it said the king of the Jews over top of Jesus' head as he died there on the cross. Now, this is a significant thing because this is the very point that the, the Jewish leaders didn't want to admit. They did not want him to be Messiah. They did not want Jesus to be the king of the Jews. And here Pilate is declaring the truth without even recognizing or knowing what he was doing. And there it was, the truth that Jesus is the Messiah, is the King of the Jews, as he died there on that cross. But what does it mean that Jesus is the King of the Jews? You see, Jesus died on the cross at the time of Passover. There was lots of people in the city of Jerusalem and they were celebrating the Passover as a remembrance of God's deliverance. See, God had delivered the nation of Israel out of slavery when they resided in Egypt. They were slaves for hundreds of years and they were crying out because of their slave masters and the, the suffering that the nation was undergoing. And so God delivered them. And in the midst of many signs and miracles, there was one particular plague that came over the land of Egypt and that was the plague of the death angel, the death of the firstborn. And so ultimately, in order for the nation of Israel to be spared, they needed to sacrifice a lamb and take the blood and put it over the doorposts and, the, and over the top of the door. And that would be a sign that those people in that home were protected against death and that they would be delivered from that plague and then Moses was able to lead all of those people out of the land of Egypt and they were also delivered from slavery. So the Passover was definitely a time when people were celebrating God's deliverance. And of course, the nation of Israel was looking for a Messiah. They were looking for someone that would come and deliver them from the tyranny of Rome that they currently suffered under at the time of Jesus. Now, interestingly enough, it is God that sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to be a deliverer, to be a savior for the people, but not in the way that they thought. God sent his one and only son to be a deliverer from the tyranny of sin. And not just for the people of Israel, but for all of mankind. This is what it says in Romans chapter three. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. And this is so important. We need to understand that Jesus is God's Messiah, that he was sent to be the Messiah. He was sent to be the Savior. And delivering not only the people of Israel, but all of mankind, all that would come and believe in him from the punishment of sin it is a huge weight that was upon Jesus. But he willingly took it on 
and he suffered and he died, his blood was shed so that we might not experience eternal death, but we might experience eternal life. And this is the main point of my message today. Jesus is the savior of the world who sacrificed his life for the forgiveness of sin. Believe in him as your savior. Honor him as your savior. You see, faith is believing. When we say that we believe in Jesus, we're saying that we know that what he did was significant, not only for the world, not only for history, but significant for us. For me, it was significant. I need to be delivered from my sin. And so I needed a savior. What God is asking us to do is to believe and to trust him to deliver us from sin. Really, it's trusting us to go beyond and to give us eternal life, to be the grantor of real life. Let me tell you this story. You see, there was once this uh, elderly man that lived in this mountainous area of the Alps, and he was the keeper of the spring. You see, there was a spring that started in the mountains and flowed down the hillside and into the village. And the people of the village had hired this man to keep the waterway clear. They hired him to be the keeper of the spring. So uh, each day he would walk along different parts and he would clean out uh, the little bits of rubbish. Sometimes it was leaves, sometimes it was twigs. And he would make sure the flow of the good, clean, clear water would make its way all the way down the mountain and into the village. And therefore, everyone enjoyed uh, the, the beauty of this stream that flowed down the mountain. In fact, people would come and, and picnic alongside the various areas of the mountain and enjoy the stream. And of course, the people in the town enjoyed the clean water that they could drink and use for their household duties. Ultimately, the town paid very little to this man so that he would keep the spring. A number of years after this man was hired, there was a town council meeting and you see people were discussing all of the budget cuts and the things that were necessary. They were struggling in a time of financial crisis and they looked at this, this budget item that said keeper of the spring. And uh, it wasn't a huge amount of money. And yet the treasurer said, who is this keeper of the spring? Who is uh, this expense on our, our ledger? Nobody really knew her, had seen the keeper of the spring. They really didn't know exactly what he did. And so they decided to uh, let the old man go. They eliminated his job and said he's not really needed. And, and so they dismissed the keeper of the spring. Well, at first everything went along fine, but as you can imagine, there was over a period of time, the spring began to build up a number of different kinds of debris. There's some leaves that fell in over the fall and twigs would snap off. And of course there was animals that came and uh, there was all kinds of other things that began to build up in the spring. And at first no one noticed, but then one day somebody said, hey, the, the water looks a little brackish. It looks a little brown here, a, a little stained colored. People went, well, no, I, I think you're imagining it. A little while later, a few days later, somebody said, it is definitely dirtier. The water doesn't seem to be clean like it used to be. You know, within a few more days, uh, it was starting to turn even murky and there was places that was along the town edge where the spring would flow in that was starting to pool this 
ugly kind of uh, yucky looking foam and it, it just didn't look clean. And you know what happened? There was even some people that because they were drinking that water, they began to feel ill. And so they called an emergency town council and said, what's going on with our water supply? Why is it not clean? Why is it not serving our town? And then they remembered that they had let the keeper of the spring go. And so they immediately repented of their decision. They reversed this decision and they went back to this elderly man and said, can you please come back and keep the spring? And so he began to go throughout that waterway and clean out the debris, get the sticks and the leaves. And sure enough, within a matter of weeks, the clean flowing water was once again restored to that town. And they were able to rejoice in the fact that they had righted the thing that was wrong, that they had repaired the thing that was necessary because they had asked the keeper of the spring to look after the supply of water. I want you to know that spiritually, Jesus Christ is the keeper of our spring. That when we come to him and we confess our sin and when we ask him to forgive us of all the things that are wrong, that we have done wrong, then ultimately he cleans out those dirty spots in our soul. And we're able to establish a relationship with God because of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done. And he can do so because he sacrificed himself. He died on a cross. His blood was shed, his life was given up. It's such an important thing that we learn that we can come to Jesus and ask for forgiveness and that Jesus will forgive us. In fact, in 1 John 1, 9, it says, but if we confess our sin to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all wickedness. You see, when we pray, we're talking to God in a spiritual way, in a spiritual fashion. And so the spirit part of us connects with God as spirit. And so God hears us. And we come to him and we, we say the things that are on our heart and God understands the intent of our heart. He knows our very thoughts in our mind. And so when we come confessing our sin, when we ask him to forgive us, he hears us and grants us our request. He forgives our sin. And when we have fallen into all kinds of various sins, he helps purify us and cleanse us of the wickedness. And so we come back to God praying and asking and saying, God, would you please forgive us once again? 1 John chapter 2 says, My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is a sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of the world. He not only has provided forgiveness for our sin, but the sins of the whole world. And so today I come and ask you, would you like to have your sins forgiven? Jesus Christ has provided the way. And you can talk to God right now. You can talk to God today and ask him to forgive your sin. You can say a simple prayer like this. Dear God, I know I am a sinner and have done things I know I should not have done. I confess my sin to you now. I believe that Jesus died for my sins so that I can be forgiven. I ask you to forgive me and help me to live in a way that is right. Help me to follow Jesus and live a life of faith in him. In Jesus' name, I ask these things.
Amen. You know, life, spiritual life, really begins when we have confessed our sin, we've come to Jesus Christ in an attitude of faith and said, I believe, I trust you for the forgiveness of the things that I have done wrong. I trust you to give me eternal life. And that's the very thing that God wants to do. To tell you that when we are forgiven, our soul feels clean and we have a vibrancy about just entering into new life. If you've prayed that prayer, ask God to forgive you today, I just encourage you to, to send me a note to prayer at northdouglaschurch.com and let me know. Right now, I would like you to stay with me as we sing this song, Here is Love. as the ocean, loving kindness as a flood, when the prince of life, my ransom, shed for us his precious blood, who is love not remember? Truer, no love is high, no love is wide. 